Hello and welcome to the Yarniax podcast. This is episode number 161, which we are recording on Friday, February 23rd, I believe. I'm guessing on the date there because we are live at Stitches yes, in Santa Clara, California. This is the first. Oh, I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And this is the first time we've done a live recording from Stitches. We are copying our good friends, Barb and Tracy, from the Two Knitlet Chicks, who do this every year. And it's so clever, we decided we wanted to do it this year, too. We always enjoy their little tidbits that they share after having been on the show floor and things that they've seen. And we hope that you will enjoy it, too. We had an action-packed day yesterday Thursday, which is opening day of Stitches. And the way Stitches works is there are classes. So if you are an attendee, you can sign up for classes on Thursday. And if you're registered for classes, you can also do the preview marketplace from 5 to 8 p.m. 5 to 8 p.m. on Thursday night. Right. So Thursday on the market floor is spent usually setting up booths, if you're a vendor, and or fine-tuning your setup. And Charlene, why don't you tell us what usually happens on Wednesday for you and how that was different this year? What usually happens on Wednesday is I come into town and I help Dragonfly Fibers set up their booth. Usually we set it up almost to completion on Wednesday. And this year, sadly, their guaranteed delivery did not arrive at its expected time on Wednesday. We waited and waited and called and found out that our delivery would not arrive until Thursday. So Thursday morning came, Gail and I were here. We helped Western Sky Knits set up their booth yesterday. Their booth was set up pretty much to completion by about two or three. After we came back from lunch, we did finishing touches, and Gail and I checked in at Dragonfly Fibers, as we had been during the day. Their shipment did not arrive until about 3.30, which was when the forklifts started driving the pallets over to their designated space. So about 3.45, we were able to start pulling boxes of yarn, more grid wall off the pallets to get set up. Keep in mind what Gail said previously, that the market floor is scheduled to open at 5. Plus, there are rules. You can't have shipping pallets and shipping materials on the floor once the show floor opens. Once the show floor opens, you're expected to be ready for business. So it was a mad dash hashtag quickest booth setup ever ever because what happened was this wonderful community so many of our friends and booth neighbors just descended upon dragonfly to help us get things at least in order enough that by 504 kate was able to check out her first customer it was it was one of the most positive phenomenon I've ever seen in a commercial setting. So you have all these vendors who are here to make money, and they converge to help Kate set up her booth. She's competition. 
to help her set up her booth so that she would be successful at this show. And the camaraderie, the optimism, the just everybody was completely focused. No chit chat. Kate, tell us what to do. Tell us where to go. <laughs> and it was a well-oiled machine of women just like, we are going to make this work by five o'clock. And we did. There was one small section of yarn I was still putting up at five o'clock. And we were still hanging some samples. Oh, yeah. There but was other than a that, lot of finishing touches. But by the time the show floor opened, the folks from the company that takes away your boxes and the pallets, they were able to haul all, all of, of that away. away. We still had to put up samples. But not very but many. most of the yarn was hung. And, of course, it wasn't perfect. Things, the yarn didn't get things. hung in the perfect order that it always does. The samples were still getting moved around, and they'll still probably get moved around today. But it was... It was 96.5% yes. there. The only it thing was that wasn't done was the padded floor. She we has those padded floor, floor tiles, yeah. and those did not get placed on the floor. Right. But, oh my goodness, it was... It made me feel good all day and all night. It was just one of those, wow, we rock kind Such of focus. things. I yep. have to say, that's what really struck me afterwards. Because afterwards, it was about 5.15, and Gail and I finally took a little bit of a breather. And I realized that I was coming down from this adrenaline yeah. high. <laughs> I was... I was really, it was like having had too much coffee really quickly and then all of a sudden crashing from it. I was crashing from that adrenaline high. Yeah, I felt it too. Because I was getting a little dizzy from bending over too much, but we did it. <laughs> it was really a cool, you know, it was very stressful for Kate, of course, but she handled it so professionally. She was a pro. She reminded me of a mother whose child has been injured and you have to stay calm and focused and on top of everything and i bet you she slept so soundly last night <laughs> oh, i hope she did <laughs> like the sleep of because a zombie she deserved it i hope she did it was amazing the focus and the concentration of everybody in the booth was amazing it was almost silent except for instructions mm -hmm. there was instructions going back and forth you always heard people saying how can i help what can i do but nobody was chit-chatting. Everybody was just mm. focused for that hour and a few minutes to get the job done. It was amazing. It was really cool. Yeah. So that was our setup day. And I want to apologize for all of the airplane background noise. <laughs> we are incredibly close to the San Jose International Airport. And we are pretty much directly under the flight path of departing jets. So that's what you hear in the background. Yeah. So we did also, in our wanderings around the show floor yesterday, notice some patterns that we both really, really liked. I noticed my first when we were checking into the hotel. We're standing in line for registration. And there's a woman in front of me wearing a beautiful cabled fingering weight. I think it was fingering weight. I'm not sure, Cardigan. Actually, yeah. And I actually asked her, what is the name of that pattern? And when she turned around, I recognized her because she is the friend of a friend who I've been following on Ravelry for a long time. Her name is Kelly, and her Ravelry name is Kelly Jomo. And she comes to Santa Cruz on a regular basis because she has a relative there. And she's friends with our friend Stephanie, who is soulmate. And I recognized her, and we said hi and introduced ourselves. 
And the sweater was White Pine by Amy Christopher. And it's really a pretty sweater. So I will be stocking that in the days to come. So that was my first like sweater spotting. Ooh, what is that pattern? (laughs) The first stocking that I did was when we got into Elizabeth Doherty's booth and I saw her new design that she had just released that morning. I think it was just yesterday morning or yesterday or Wednesday Wednesday morning. The days are kind of running together already. (laughs) But her new design is called Calyx. And you guys know that we love Elizabeth Doherty designs. This one is a little bit different. It's knit from the bottom up. She uses a couple of yarns from Shibui that I have since priced out. And I'm not sure about using those yarns. I might be looking for a replacement yarn. I'll be interested to see what other people knit the sweater in because though the fabric is really nice I'm not sure that those yarns are in my budget so that one is Calyx by Elizabeth Doherty and actually I should describe it quick description pullover sweater with three rows of they're not chevrons but they're little V's little lace V's down the front and then the V's are down the sleeves too three-quarter length sleeves Let's see, it's a mid-hip length. The sweater has a fairly long ribbed collar. Well, tall. I shouldn't say long. Tall. Not really tall. Maybe it looks like an inch or two. Two inches, I would say. Ribbed collar. And then on the back, of course, it's not the same signature braid that she does, but the little braid goes along the edge of the ribbed collar. And it's drop shoulder. So very casual, easy to wear, which is what I've been wearing yeah. for the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth's tech editor slash model slash friend, Lori, was wearing it when we went over to Elizabeth's booth. And it was also on a one of those dress forms. And it's really pretty. The way it drapes and everything yeah. is really, really nice. Yeah. It's a beautiful sweater. And the second sweater that Charlene and I both really loved. It was in the Blue Moon Fiber Arts booth. So we were raving about wanting to see their booth this year because this is the first time they've been at Stitches in several years. And we did fall in love with some of the yarn and we do have plans to go back and acquire some of said yarn. But the sweater is called Polyhedra. It's a design by Emma Welford, and it's a design that Emma did just for their Cake DK yarn, which is a non-superwash DK weight, and it is a top-down circular yoke, and the increases go in a circular kind of slanted style, and it's A-line, and it has beautiful color work at the bottom, and it's just really cute and different from a lot of Charlene and I have been talking a lot about pattern ennui we're just not overwhelmed with the patterns lately everything seems like a variation of something we've already seen and this of course is not completely original but it's different than a lot of the things that we've seen mm-hmm. so we Charlene noticed it instantly and said oh look at that and like, oh my gosh that's beautiful and it's a fairly new release so we, I will be stocking that as well. And it's, I'm, I took a picture of the, the tag on the sweater. It comes in sizes 30 through 54 inches. So the sizing looks like it's pretty good. And it used two skeins, 
of the main color and one skein of the contrast color for the color work at the bottom. So that's Polyhedra by Emma Welford. So those are the ones that really have jumped out at us so far. And it was just a very fun day. It was a very action packed. We saw a lot of friends, which we both agreed was probably the highlight of the day. And we'll have more observations and stocking to share with you in the next two days. Yeah, so hopefully you're enjoying this and you will look forward to the next two little blips as we (laughs) report live from Stitches 2018. Bye-bye. Bye, you guys. Hello, reporting live from day two of Stitch, or recap of day two, we yes. should say. Today yes. is day three, but it's still early in the morning. It is. Relatively early. Relatively it's before early. the market opens. before the market opens. opens, and we're just in waiting to go in, sitting here watching the parking lot fill up. <laughs> yeah, we have the bird's eye view of the parking lot and Levi Stadium, which is where the San Francisco 49ers football team plays, and the airport takeoff departures right. path yes. we can't actually see the airport from where we are but we see the planes leaving so and flying overhead yeah we're about one a minute i would say pretty busy today so recap of day two we worked in elizabeth doherty's booth yesterday which turned out to be very very exciting it was it was fun gail and i were both wearing our cleo sweaters there was Another woman wearing a Clio as well. So there were three of us wearing Clios, which was really fun to see all those Mm -hmm. same sweaters, different styling, different body shapes, and how well the sweater looked on three different body shapes. Yeah, it was fun. We were like the Clio triplets. (laughs) And it was Elizabeth's booth. If you ever get a chance to attend an event where Elizabeth Bluebee Studios is going to be. And if you have an interest in her sweaters, she brings a huge collection of sweaters for people to try on. And she is a seamstress as well. So she's very good about fit. And she will walk you through what size you should knit, what modifications you should make for your body. And it's just amazing. I've never had a designer who actually spends that time exactly very hands-on and very specific to oh you don't like that neckline where you can bind off on a smaller needle and it will do this and oh you're you have a fuller bust so you should modify it like this and then cast on this many stitches under the arm i mean it was very cool everybody who tried on a sweater and purchased the pattern or intended to purchase the pattern walked away with a little card with their size circled on the card so they don't forget and any modification notes that they had talked to Elizabeth about. Very, very cool. So that yeah. you can go home and replicate the sweater you tried on. Yeah, and the cards are printed on cardstock and they have the picture of the pattern mm-hmm. and name on one side, and then the other side is all the vital information you need in order to purchase your yarn, pick your size, etc. So incredibly professionally planned and just so everything about it was professional and well done and everybody in the booth was so knowledgeable and helpful too there were a lot of us probably six or seven of us in the booth and we were all busy the whole time so it was pretty incredible she's debuting new bags that she had done with her blue bee logo on them and she was she said that we were her booth babes so she gave (laughs) us each one of the smaller bee bins is what she's calling them and 
we were likening them unto the fringe supply bags because I saw a fringe supply bag in real life yesterday for the first time. And we were getting the user's view of why it was a good bag. And she was saying it stands up perfectly. It's not one of these floppy project bags, which most project bags don't have a rigidity to them. Right. They're cute, but they don't stand up by themselves. Right. So this is a project bag that you would carry. It's a carry alone project bag. This isn't the kind of project bag that you shove into your purse with a project. True. You could well. You could shove it into a tote bag. I mean, it's into small enough that bag. you could put it in yeah. a tote bag, but they're so well made, very heavy duty canvas, and they have the. Is it a Japanese knot handle style where one handles so, longer yeah, than the other? Loop, draw a loop handle where one loop goes through the second loop. Yeah, and then you carry it by the bigger loop. Yeah. But they stand up perfectly, and Charlene is knitting a baby blanket. And she was able to put the entire baby blanket and extra skein of yarn into the small bee bin. I was surprised that yeah, that they're bigger much than they look. Fit into it. I liken the bag, like Gail said, somewhat comparable to the fringe bags. But I see it as a cross between a fringe bag and the land end can, lands end canvas oh, yeah. tote. It's a cross between those two because the lands end tote has the stiff sides that stand up so that's what it reminded me of that's Very a good nice, comparison but it has a little loop like gail mentioned the loop closure on top so we really liked those those were fantastic and they're cute and they come in really bright colors she has two sizes and then she also has a drawstring project bag design that she's releasing so those were super cute so we wanted to mention those and you had a pattern that you fell in love with so the two sweaters were calyx and one called Cullen. Both of them look great. I'm leaning towards making the Calyx one for myself rather soonish. And the one thing that I actually, what we do when we come to Stitches is we do, we go to the very back corner of the convention center and we come backwards through the rows and aisles and kind of scope everything out before we make many purchases. This year we did make some purchases on our first night, but we try to scope everything out before we make purchases so we know what's available. And this year, one thing that really jumped out at me was something completely unusual. And it's one of the things that stuck with me. So a lot of us, we've been chatting with friends and it's like, what was the one thing you saw that you really want to go back and buy kind of thing? And one thing I noticed were these little project bags. They had no three sizes of notion bags and three sizes of project bags. And the booth name is Honey Girl Farms. They have their own farm with Coriadale sheep and they have yarn and their hand dyers. So they had a lot of yarn, but the bags were what stood out to me because they had one of the biggest project bags they make, which is more like a tote, up on display. And it was a vivid purple with a giant unicorn on it that was puking little happy people and little black cats. It was this <laughs> caricature unicorn drawing. Dog. It was so adorable and wild and weird and the and colors different. and different. It stood out from every other single thing I saw. So yesterday I said, I really want to go back and get some of those bags. And they had adorable little cats. <laughs> this is maybe a little graphic, but it was a cartoon. Cat butt. Cat butt. Very vivid cat butt. And you see the cat looking over its shoulder 
over towards its butt and the caption was hey sexy and they had little ones that were narwhals with the sea otter riding the narwhal and then they had little sheep with the little beehive that was their logo and they had octopus ones and all sorts of different silly goofy but so different adorable and they're like a ripstop kind of nylon-ish and they all they zip closed and they all have an inner pocket also so i don't know how well made they are because i haven't used them yet but i did purchase three of those yesterday for myself and gifts so that was we don't usually talk about our purchases but that was so (laughs) unusual and so uncharacteristic of something for me to actually go oh my gosh look at that those are adorable and we actually stood there for 10 minutes or so going through all of the different styles yeah Yeah. so honey girl farms check them out so what else have we seen we've seen so much yarn so so much much yarn. yarn everybody makes a big deal about how large this show is and let me tell you it is huge i don't know if it actually has gotten bigger this year or just takes up more space but i do believe the show is to a point where and maybe has been for many years it's too large for someone to come in one day and see everything yeah unless you're super focused and just can walk 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 without stopping too much and without needing breaks which i need a break (laughs) yeah well that was one of the things we usually on thursday nights we're able to walk the whole floor this year we made it maybe halfway halfway before we said that's it but it was already closing and it was already in three hours we had only made it through half of the show And we're and we overwhelmed. We weren't even stopping to look in every no, booth. No, we didn't look we in were, many booths. We were kind of walking quickly. And even having been here a couple of days, there are a lot of vendors that we have not personally looked in. When we say walk the show floor, that really is kind of a, not a super quick pace, but we're kind of meandering through and not necessarily going in every booth. We're just kind of looking to see what's available. Doing a scan kind a of. scan, yeah. yeah. And there is just so much. And one of the things we noticed is that so many yarn vendors have yarn that just starts to look the same after a while. Yeah. It's really sad because if you see a particular skein that you really like, you better take a picture of the booth name and the booth number so that you know exactly where to look because after wandering for a couple of hours you will not remember and everything starts to blend together and you really need to document where and what you saw that you were interested in and if i have to give anybody and one single piece of advice for the show that would probably be it if you see anything you like and you're not purchasing it right then and there document 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 because it will be so hard to find and so hard to remember and go back to that exact spot to purchase the exact skein or item that you would really like to have yeah though and i consider us to be almost stitches professionals because we've been (laughs) doing this for so many years and we stay you know we're here the whole duration and we get lost and can't find can't remember the booth, can't remember where it was, can't remember the name. Like the bags that I purchased, 
we could not, Charlene had to search for me to find the vendors on Instagram because I could not remember the name of the vendors. It was ridiculous. So it's overwhelming. And my piece of advice would be to bring snacks. Yes. And water. And water. Snacks and water. Yes. It's a necessity because you will get dehydrated and tired and and hangry. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Very much so. And today, day three, we'll be working in Dragonfly Fibers booth. We're heading down there in just a few minutes, and that's going to be exciting. And then we have the podcaster gathering in the bar today. So So it's going to be a fun, action-packed day. It will. And we'll share more about the meetup with you tomorrow morning. Yeah. So thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Hello, reporting live from the final day of Stitches West 2018. Gail and I are sitting here with our knitting. We are overlooking the convention center, the parking lot, and then a golf course that is off to one side. On the other side of the convention parking lot, we've heard geese fly by this morning. Yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, it is... About 8.30 on Sunday morning, the last day of the market day of Stitches, and we are watching slowly the cars arriving. Yeah, they're trickling into the, we have the bird's eye view of the top floor of the parking lot as well, so we get to watch the excited people arriving, (laughs) that's cool. It's always fun to see how many cars are arriving at what time. Saturday is always the busiest day, of course. But Sunday morning is often busy, too, so there are already people arriving. Yeah, and my mom's going to be here. She's showing up in about an hour, so she'll join us today. I'm very excited about that. She told me, I want to arrive half an hour before the show opens so that I can see what you and Charlene (laughs) bought before we go into the marketplace. So I have all my purchases out, ready to show her. They're all bagged with all the yarn lined up with the ends showing so that she can just glance if she doesn't want to pull them out and feel them. (laughs) Very artfully arranged. But we've been having a great time. Yesterday was Dragonfly Fibers booth in the morning, and I just have to put in a plug for how sweet Kate is. She's one of the owners, and she even texted us and asked us if we wanted to put in a coffee order because she was (laughs) stopping for coffee on the way in, which I thought was the sweetest thing. And pleasure to work there. And I was wearing my Archer sweater yesterday, Mm -hmm. the Elizabeth Doherty design. And oh boy, was I popular yesterday. (laughs) I had so many people throughout the day stop and comment and ask questions. And a lot of people said, I just bought that pattern. And I'm so happy to see it live. And, you know, I modified mine as a tunic, so it's very long. I think we'll probably see some similar modifications. I think so too. On Ravelry. Yeah. I even had a young man approach me in the lobby during the meetup and he was complimenting my sweater. It was very cute. He was, I think, probably not even, maybe early 20s, maybe. And I was very flattered that he noticed and came <laughs> over and, and complimented my sweater. It was very cool. Yeah. Gail mentioned the meetup. So we also had a very informal little meetup in the lobby slash bar area of the hotel yesterday, yesterday afternoon, with along with Barb and Tracy of the Two Knitlet Chicks podcast. We met many, many listeners. We sat and knit with people. 
It was very nice just to get off of the show floor at one of the busiest peak shopping times and sit and knit, which is what we were all here for. <laughs> yeah, the social aspect of, of stitches is even more attractive to me now. Now that I love my stash so much, yes. and I say that sincerely, yes. I'm not as tempted by the shopping as I usually am. Not to say I haven't acquired a lot of yarn. However, the draw to buy more yarn is much lower this year than it ever has been for me. Gail and I both kind of have felt that way because we're seeing... In terms of yarn, we're not quite sure what the next thing is. What's going to be the next popular trend? We are seeing so many speckles this year. And before that, it was tonals. And of course, we love both tonals mm -hmm. and we love speckles. But we're both kind of looking out to see what the next next popular thing is going to be. Well, kits are big this year. Kits are big Lots this year. and lots of kits. Yes. So dyers who have put together their own fades are very popular mm -hmm. and Gradient different kits yep. and shawls many many shawl kits where it's a two to three color shawl and the dyers already prepackaged the colors for those um, kate at dragonfly yesterday was wearing an all point south which is a cowl not a poncho it's very specific in the pattern description by casapinka and it could be a poncho. It's if you a made very it large cowl. It's a cowl that's big enough to pull down over the shoulders and then the point comes down like a poncho. But the difference between this and a regular poncho is that the back isn't a full back. Yeah, it wouldn't cover your booty. It wouldn't cover, it doesn't come down very low as a poncho yeah. would in the back. But it's, it's just a shawl back. It's similar in shape to Viajant, but yes. not as long. Yes. And Kate put together a combo that was a brown-leaning burgundy with a gold, slightly variegated, and now I can't remember what the third color was, but I was falling in love with it. So now I'm thinking I may need to acquire it a copper maroon. maroon yeah. yeah. I may need to acquire a coppery color because I have that pattern and I've wanted to knit it for a long time but I've had trouble selecting the yarn because <laughs> each of the sections has texture and I don't want to use a yarn that's too busy because you won't see the texture and the yarns that Kate chose the variegated is very very lightly variegated so the colors must be very similar because the variegation isn't busy so it doesn't compete with the texture in that section and it just, it was so pretty. I kept admiring her and she has red hair as well. So, you know, you look at other redheads and see what they're wearing <laughs> and you think, hmm, I could probably do that also. Yeah. So All Point South is high up on my list of things to knit next. Us. Yeah, for both of us. When I saw how it was worn and how it looked, I started thinking I probably want to make that too. And I know Gail stocked that one a couple episodes ago, and I guess I'm stocking it now too. <laughs> yeah. And I know Linda, Naughty 54 Knitter, she's been pondering the colors to use in that one as well. So there are at least three of us who want to knit that. So yeah. maybe if there's enough interest, we can have a little informal knit along. That was one of my pattern highlights 
yesterday, All Point South by Casapinka. And I don't think I've knit any of her patterns yet. I love her aesthetic, and I don't think I've knit any. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't think I have either. Yeah. And my search for green continues. <laughs> I was really planning to buy some green yarn this week, and I didn't find... I found one skein of a very, very light green with tiny specks that you could barely see of blue and I never would have thought to try it but Charlene and Kathy in the dragonfly booth we were standing around looking you know admiring yarn as you do and they were holding up different colors I was going for the blues and they picked up this skein of titania is the colorway and I held it up to my face and they both went, oh, you need to get that color. Oh my gosh, your eyes. And everyone I showed it to said, oh, oh my gosh, your eyes. Look at your eyes with that color. So I'm going out of my color comfort zone and trying a new color. We'll see. Yay. It might be a linen stitch scarf of Jessica Jones. Because I every time I look at Charlene's Jessica Jones cowl, I'm mesmerized by the texture. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like looking into a fire you get sucked in by the yeah. the motion of the fire and the flames and everything. It's the same thing for me with that cowl. Yeah. So, so right. and we mentioned the get together. We had such a good time, and then in the evening we ended up going out with our friends Kim and Heather from Western Sky Knits for a lovely offsite dinner, and we just want to mention or just reiterate that the friendships. And the wonderful people we have met here have just been the best. So enriching. And we just feel blessed by this community and all the friends we've made and how kind everybody, everybody is. Everybody is, here is yeah. smiling and happy. And you go out and you see people in their knitwear and you know they're here for the event also. And everybody's happy yeah. here, which is really a nice respite from the non-crafting world. <laughs> yeah, where you have all... And of course, everybody's... There's Charlene was saying this morning, there's a range of humankind, of course, right. but we seem to have really been lucky to find the uppermost level of kind people who have become our friends. Yeah, and we, we met really several of you who we'd never met before and saw some of you who we don't see very often. And it just the sense of joy of oh my gosh look who's here or, oh my gosh look who I finally get to meet I mean I feel like this overjoyed little kid and I yeah, love it I just love it I do too I'm just I'm in a place right now where I'm noticing just the small kindnesses that people do for one another and the big kindnesses too but it makes me appreciate the wonderful community that we have and that we are a part of and I think that really sums up Stitches 2018. That's a very good summary. Well done. <laughs> I don't think we can say anything better than that. I don't that. think so either. <laughs> so thank you for listening. We do have a special segment coming up that we pre-recorded. And we hope that you enjoyed our first ever Stitches recap live on site. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Happy, Happy knitting. knitting. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank our March sponsor, Yarn Love. Yarn Love is a delightfully hand-dyed yarn made especially for those of you who love color and enjoy luxurious skeins. Each skein is happily dyed by Katie in her Midwest Yarn Studio and is just waiting to become your next favorite project. Cast on with Yarn Love and see just how amazing hand-dyed yarn can be. 
we actually got a chance to meet Katie at Stitches West and she is delightful. She is a very nice woman, cute as a button. And I acquired two skeins of her newest base, which is called Princess Buttercup. You've got to love a yarn named that. And it is 50% linen, 50% silk. And as most of you know, I'm not a huge fan of linen, but this yarn was so soft. And she had a sample knit up, a garment knit up in it. And it was so soft in the skein and in the garment. So I will have that on my needle soon. So in our last episode, we did not get a chance to talk about sweater maintenance because we were just a little too, too chatty. chatty. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it now. And hopefully if we did this properly, you just heard all about stitches before you're hearing about sweater maintenance, right. because that's what we're going to try to do this year, do some on-site recordings on the days of stitches. So sweater maintenance came up because we got a great question on our what would you like to hear about on the podcast thread from Allison, who is Life at the Ridge. And she said, I would love to know your knitting maintenance routine. There are several questions to this. Do you have a special hamper for hand knits? How often do they get washed and blocked? Do you have a regular seasonal timeline for washing and putting away winter and summer knits? Where do you keep them? Do you have special storage systems to keep your yarn and finished knits safe from critters? Do you put away needles, project beds, etc. right after finishing a project? Or do you wait until it builds up and then do a cleanup day? How do you store all your yarn, needles, knitting accessories, etc.? Do you regularly sort through your stash, air it out, and how do you decide on what to de-stash and how to go about it? Anything related to maintenance of knitting supplies. So that's a multi-part question. That's a very multi-part question, and I'm sure I'm going to forget some of the parts by the time... I start answering. So well, that's why have I have it open on, on my phone toes. because I would on not remember toes, them all yes. either. So <laughs> let's go ahead and start with special knitting maintenance routines. So do you have a special hamper for your hand knits? I don't. I don't either. No, we don't. We have a very small room, not much space, and everything goes into one hamper. <laughs> yeah, every when I'm ready to start blocking things, they either get stacked on the little tiny table next to my work desk or they get stacked on my husband's dresser and they stack and stack and stack yeah. until it's blocking day. And that will often happen to me if I don't want to put them in the general hamper, then they get put in a stack that sits on top of the washing machine, even though they don't actually go into the washing machine. <laughs> yeah, similar. I just, I don't put mine, Mike does most of the laundry. So if I put them out near the laundry washing machine area, they will get washed accidentally. Mm. So I don't put mine out there. I, yeah. I make certain of that. Yeah. So just a separate <laughs> pile. All right. And her next part was, do you have a special, oh, sorry. How often do they get washed and blocked? And do we have a special regular seasonal timeline for washing and putting away winter and summer knits? I definitely have a timeline and the how often do they get washed and blocked is of course dependent on how often they are worn and what season the garment is usually too. Most of my sweaters are year-round garments but there are the few worsted weight garments that I have that are pretty much exclusively only the cold weather mm -hmm. time of year. And I usually start thinking about taking those out about 
November when we change the clocks usually. Oh, that's your signal, yeah. Yeah, the first signal that when we change the clocks, because we're only on standard time four months. So as soon as the clock clocks change, I want to start wearing those sweaters Mm -hmm. to get the most wear out of them that's possible if it's cold enough, of course. Some years it's just not cold enough yeah this year we've had cold weeks so i've been i've i've been able to work in a few days wearing them here and there but yeah generally start taking them out about november and then usually when i start thinking about putting them away is when we change to daylight saving time again (laughs) <laughs> so and that's going to be i think march 11th or 19th it's or coming something. up so soon. for us that's only a couple more weeks yeah, which is sad it's coming up soon we actually had a cold morning here this morning it was in the 30s so charlene and i both have taken great advantage today of wearing our hand knits <laughs> it was a happy day to be yes. cold enough to wear hand knits yes so seasonally i do about the same thing i think mine i don't go by the time changes so much as In Santa Cruz, you can just, there's a definite change usually, like all of a sudden we'll have a cold spell. And that's usually when I start to change over my closet. All Mm -hmm. the cold clothes come in or go out depending on the change. And I would like to keep them out for months and months and months. But sometimes (laughs) when it gets warm really soon, I tend to put things away faster. And my washing system, like Charlene said, it depends on how much wear they've been given. So sometimes, you know, I, I have a lot of sweaters. So <laughs> when winter comes around, I take out a lot of sweaters and some of them don't even get worn during the season. Right. Others get worn a lot. So the ones that get worn a lot, I wash block before I put them back because you don't want the scent of your body oils on the sweater because that can attract critters. Right. Yeah. So, I didn't go into that either. And so I'm going to interject the same thing right here too while you're talking about it that I tend to wash my well I do I wash my sweaters before I put them away rather than when I take them out because I want to put them away clean that way when it's cold and you take them out you can wear them immediately yes (laughs) so there's that advantage too and in Santa Cruz for blocking because we have such temperate weather here I block year-round do you pretty much I washed a shawl today and I put it outside in the sun even though it's a cold day there's enough wind and it's sunny enough that it will dry really quick yeah and yesterday I finished my Clio and (laughs) I blocked it yesterday so that I could bring it to stitches and it was a chilly day yesterday but it was very windy so it dried it dried quickly yeah it dried very quickly and that's in February so we can block year round. If I was in a colder climate, I think I would have a much more defined seasonal changeover of my clothes because then the weather kind of dictates that that happens. And I would wear my warmer sweaters more frequently, thus they would need to get washed more often. So I think that asking us might not be the best representation (laughs) for people who live in colder climates because we're kind of, you know, lackadaisical about it almost because we can be. And my other sweaters, you know, the lighter sweaters, I just wash as needed because yes. those stay out, like you said, year round. Yeah. So, and the, the heavier ones are the ones that 
I tend to wear over t-shirts too. I don't, I'll often wear them over long sleeve t-shirts even. So I could wear them several times and they don't really come in contact with a lot of body oils, lotions, that kind of thing, because I, there's like a barrier mm -hmm. between skin and wool. So those don't have to be washed quite as often, if that's the case, if that's the way that I've been wearing them. When you take out your sweaters in the, like the winter ones, do you always check them over for possible damage? I don't. I'm critters? really bad about that. Unless I've had some kind of evidence mm -hmm. that I need to look, I mm -hmm. really don't check. And it's bad because I've found lots of moths in my mm. closet over the last year. Yeah. And I've looked it up on the internet to see all the pictures, mm -hmm. you know, but they don't look like they're moths that eat your clothes. And I've never seen any evidence of any of my yarn or clothes being eaten, but I should do a regular check. I try to when I take them out. Granted, it's probably a very cursory check. It's not until I actually put the garment on that I'm really going to look at it. But I do kind of do a, a cursory check for any sign of insects, pull out a few sweaters as I pull them out, that kind of thing. That's smart because then if you do have some kind of infestation, you know, and you can take steps to do something about it right away. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I remember a couple of years ago, it was a very sweater intense winter. So maybe it was more than a couple of years ago. Maybe it was three years ago, four years ago. Even. Yeah, it's been a while. Probably. I remember I washed all oh, of yeah. my I remember that winter year. sweaters yeah. because I had waited a little while and it was warm and I could wash five or six sweaters in a day and they would all dry and then I packed those away. And I think it was over the course of one weekend that I washed It was. I remember everything. that. Yeah. And that felt really good because what I did was I store my sweaters in a closet. At the time, they were stored in a closet and they were kept in their cardboard boxes but it's not just regular corrugated cardboard boxes they're nicer boxes and I usually pack in some kind of lavender lavender scented something sometimes there's scented soaps that mm -hmm. I'll tuck in with them so I usually have something in there but it felt really good to wash everything because I took out all those boxes I remember vacuuming out all the boxes to try to get every wow, bit of dust nice. out of the boxes. I don't remember that part. Just, uh, it was a good cleaning. Good, good cleaning. So it's nice to do that every few years, I think, just to take everything out. Because the other thing is, too, then you really have an opportunity to assess and maybe reassess what you have especially in my case, I've been knitting sweaters for a long, long time, as has Gail. Eh, there's going to be sweaters that it's going to be time to move them to on, move them on yeah. to another home. And for sure. it's always nice to get a little extra space. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Because I store my sweaters mostly in my closet. But then when I do the seasonal shift, some of them go into garment bags that are underneath my bed. 
And that means that most of my hand knits are in my closet and my yarn storage is also in my closet. Mm -hmm. So in my case, we had this question in our Ravelry group recently about when you use up yarn, you get out extra space. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it kind of doesn't work in my case because (laughs) I knit my, I knit something and it still is in my closet. It just moves moves from one area to the other. (laughs) It moves from the yarn plastic drawers onto the shelves where I'll actually wear it. So it would be good if I got some of my sweaters moving on. Oh, I did give my sans serif away the other day. My aunt Carol recently moved here from Minnesota and she didn't have a sweater one night when she was at her house. And I said, oh my gosh, let me get you a sweater. And (laughs) it fit her perfectly and she loved it. And I said, it's yours because she didn't have anything hand knit for me yet. Wow. So yeah. So I did move one sweater around and that was a worsted weight sweater. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it was great. Nice. So just, and Allison didn't ask this question, but I'm curious, how do you block your sweaters when you do block them? Because I know there are lots of different ways I mean, when you say you washed all of your winter sweaters, what does that mean for you? So for me, I took all the sweaters, soaked them. I use a wool wash that I really like. There's the one that I use is Eucalan, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because it comes in lots of different flavors. Very nice. Flavors? <laughs> you don't usually eat I it. call them flavors, but yes, they, they are They smell scents. good enough to eat sometimes. That's true. Technically, they're scents, but I call them flavors. <laughs> so I wash them, and then I just lay them out flat. I don't have a lot of... I'm trying to think. In the past few years, most of my sweaters tend to be on the loose-fitting oversize side of things so I haven't had anything that I've had to pin block in any of my sweaters I'm trying to think if I have had to do that on anything lately probably more likely on shawls on shawls yeah. I do pin block if I'm re-washing a shawl I don't always pin block but sometimes I do it depends on the shape of the garment and if it looks like it's really losing shape when I first started knitting I was making more fitted sweaters and I know at that time I would pin block when I rewashed a lot of garments just because I wanted them to keep a specific shape if you wanted it if you wanted your for example, your waist shaping to be very pristine, or if you wanted a sleeve cap, that would be another one that you might want to shape perfectly, you know, that kind of thing, just to have it shaped nicely. What else? I can't. I yeah, I'm trying to think. It, in my sweater history, it's usually been, like you said, a fitted sweater or maybe a lace sweater, like Laika. Yeah. And Apre Surf Hoodie, both I blocked a little bit more vigorously because of the lace. Yeah. But generally speaking, I do the same thing. I wet, I actually soak them. Then I roll them in a towel. I stomp on the towel. Try to get as much water and moisture out of the garment as I can. And then I just lay it flat. Okay, that's good. See, I didn't talk about my process as much, but I'll soak mine with the wool wash and then... Usually what I do, and this is different from Gail, usually I'll put mine in the washing machine just for a couple of minutes on spin, just to spin out the water. I do that if it's a super wash yarn, mm. but my last 
Citadel when I did that with my mm-hmm. Aran yarn mm-hmm. and it felt it a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm super cautious about yeah. now. I only do that yeah. with superwash sweaters. Like my Clio, when I blocked it, I did not put it in the washing machine mm. to spin because this is not superwash yarn. Yeah, but for on my machine, I can. It doesn't go through any of the regular cycle. It just goes in there for like three so or four minutes. So does mine. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, and but Citadel still... still felt it a little bit. Wow. Weird, right? Yes. Really weird. Yeah, that's the only sweater I've ever had do that. But you know, now I'm a little bit cautious about it. Of course, it, you know? of course. But otherwise, I use that trick as well. And Charlene taught me that trick. So. <laughs> yeah, spinning them out is but, a really good idea. Yeah, I like doing that, especially with shawls, because I feel like that gets so much of the water out that the shawls are dry, usually within half an hour of mm-hmm. my putting them out. And I had mentioned earlier that I had put something out in the sun. And I don't always put things out in the sun. It's just that today was a particularly cold day and I knew that it would dry better if I put it out in the sun. And it really did. It dried really fast. I wouldn't want to leave something out in the sun for six hours, for example, because then your yarn probably would fade a little bit. But I have put things out in the sun for a little while. I also know sunshine is good for insect control. Yeah. So and I like that. I used to not put them in the sun, but someone had a good point that you're going to wear them in the you're sun. You're going to wear them in yeah. the sun, yeah. And I, like I said, I wouldn't leave it sitting out for six hours straight in the sun yeah. because I probably wouldn't be out in the sun for six hours straight in a knitted garment. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> See, I have very limited blocking space, too. I basically block everything outside on our deck on that's, the picnic table. Yeah. So it's in the sun and... I'm not going to move the picnic right. table. Right. I've tried to do it on the carpet in my room, but inevitably the dog decides she wants to lay there. So that never works. And there just isn't space in the kid's room or anything, unless one of the kids isn't going to be home for a day. And then sometimes I will take advantage of that. But I never do mine indoors just because I feel like it dries so much nicer outdoors. I like the fresh air. I like yeah. the way things smell when mm-hmm. they're dried outside in the fresh air. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. The ca- well, wherever I lay mine flat, cats will find them. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. And Lucy doesn't generally do anything to disrespect my yarn or my knits, but she does. I mean, okay, that's where I want to lay. I don't care what's there. I mean, if it's a hand knit, it's like a blanket to her. So she's going to lay mm-hmm. on it. She doesn't care. So Popo likes wet wool. Oh, my cat. So he smells wet wool. He comes looking. I had my shawl laying out today. And I let him out and I watched him because I knew that he would just head straight for the shawl. He did. <laughs> he headed straight for the shawl, fell over on top of it, Aww. put his put his paw down and picked up the shawl and I had to go out there and remove the shawl from his claw. He doesn't oh, that he part, doesn't yeah. damage it. He he's just kind of kneading it and feeling good. There's something about wet wool. I and don't kitties. know. <laughs> wet wool and kitties. So what other parts to the question so we answered our seasonal timeline we answered how often they get washed and blocked so where do you keep them so we already answered that as well Mm -hmm. in our closets pretty much special storage systems to keep them safe from critters i think charlene and i both use the lavender scented approach to storing sweaters yeah so we did a lot of research on that we did a whole podcast special about that one year (laughs) and got a lot of input also from jess who is our resident bug expert Mm -hmm. i can't entomologist 
can't remember the name. I believe so. I think so. So she's given us a lot of advice as well, which is why we know that sun, especially high heat, if you're going to put yarn in the trunk, helps to kill bugs, as right. does really, really, really cold, like a deep freeze freezer. It has to be below a certain temperature for a certain number of days. And we did mention, well, I mentioned that I really like using the Eucalan wool wash. Mm -hmm. And we got some Eucalan wool wash to try out, which I should say for us, it's not really trying out because we've <laughs> been using this product for years Forever. and years. Yeah. But I did want to mention a few really cool facts about the product. Um, number one, there's a eucalyptus and lavender scent and they are naturally moth and flea repellent so it's an excellent choice for wool other fabrics because you can use the eucalyptus to wash anything basically but it's really nice for your sweaters or your delicates that kind of thing but the lavender scent and the eucalyptus scent are naturally flea repellent which is good yeah i love eucalyptus for that that's one of the smells lavender and eucalyptus that and cedar that I will put in with my sweaters mm -hmm. when I store them. So anything yeah. that has that strong scent will help to keep critters yeah. away. So the scents that it comes in, let me see if I can get them all right. The jasmine, which both of us That's our favorite. Are, is yeah. our favorite. The lavender, which is probably the second <laughs> favorite. And then the eucalyptus that we said is the also naturally moth and flea repellent grapefruit and then there's an unscented scent which i should mention is truly unscented sometimes unscented scents have a kind of icky scent mm -hmm. <laughs> and this I one i have found to be truly unscented because i do use this one as well sometimes i'll pick the the scent dependent on the sweater i know that sounds weird no but... i think that makes a lot of sense and or a recipient if it's going or the to someone, recipient yeah. yes yeah yes sometimes i'll think oh i would really like to have this shawl smell like jasmine because it's going to be up around my face and i like having the once once you rinse it there's still a little bit of the scent that gets left behind and i like having the jasmine around my face so i do tend to use the jasmine for shawls just for that reason See, now that's funny because I'm really sensitive to smells. They give me headaches really quickly. Mm. Like I can't stand walking down the soap aisle in the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. And Euclid to me, I can smell it as I'm blocking, but I can't smell it afterwards. Oh, I almost never can smell the jasmine. Like smell my sweater now. Can you smell any jasmine? I just blocked this no. yesterday. Yeah. And so, I don't rinse. It's rinse well, free. That's what I was going to mention. So the Euclid you don't need to rinse it out. So what that means is, of course, when you're when you're squishing, squishing, squishing your sweater, of course, you're going to want to rinse a little bit because you don't want to have dirty water still remaining on your sweater, right? Mm -hmm. So what it means is that you don't have to rinse all the product out. So when I say rinsing, it's usually putting in fresh water, squish, squish, squish the sweater or shawl or garment and then drain. That simple. But you don't have to rinse all the product out, which I tend to like because I use scents that I really like. But it's very easy to use. Very, very easy, easy yeah. to use. And your garment really feels fresh and clean. That's true. I've And 
we were asked to review Euclid, but this is what we use all the time anyways. It's not, I mean, we could have just said it and not, not right. if it asked to review the product, <laughs> literally, because I have a giant bottle of the Rapture, which is I the jasmine too. scented, and it's about half gone. And I got it when Yarn Dogs closed, like years, years ago. ago. It's my go-to. And you literally just put a little bit in the container you're using to block, which yesterday was my bathtub for my <laughs> Clio sweater because I needed that space and that amount of water. Fill it up with lukewarm water, slap in the sweater, let it soak for a half an hour. I didn't even rinse it because it wasn't dirty. I hadn't no, worn it. Right. And then I, like I said, I roll it up in towels, stomp on it, and then just set it out on my back deck to dry. And that's all there was to it. Super easy. It doesn't like I said, it didn't leave a scent for me. It doesn't leave a residue. It doesn't have any allergy type responses. I have sensitive skin as well. So I just love it. The, it's fail safe for me. Yeah. The, the information that I have right here, it says that it's pH neutral, biodegradable, free of optical brighteners, phosphates, synthetic fragrance, and dye. And the scents it's only quality essential oils, which are naturally antiseptic, in addition to the natural slash unscented. Yeah, so it's all good. Scent. We <laughs> highly recommend Euclid. And the one thing I was going to mention about the jasmine. So Mike, he's not as sensitive to scents as I am, but I always ask him before I buy a new lotion or body mm. product that has a scent in it. Usually I use scent free, but some of them have a scent. And I'll ask him, do you like the smell before I put it on so that he doesn't, you know, cringe. Right. And he does not like the jasmine smell. Oh. And every time I'm blocking, he's like, oh, you're using that stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's weird because I there love are. I that one. I do too. And like I said, I'm usually sensitive to smell. So the lavender and the jasmine's ra is rapture, W-R-A-P-T-U-R-E. Yes are the two that I use the most often and they don't bother my, because it must be the, the essential oil part of it. They're Maybe. not that imitation yeah. scent that yeah. is really obnoxious, like hand soap. That's a lavender. Right. That's like, Ugh. yeah, very different. So it also has lanolin, which I think is important to mention because especially for wool, it's a conditioner. Now wool, think of it like hair. If you kept washing and washing hair or even skin without ever conditioning it, it would get dry, mm -hmm. which is what happens to wool. If you remember stories or maybe you even felt some of those scratchy wool sweaters from years and years ago before people knew to put conditioner back into wool, and maybe it still happens. I shouldn't say years and years ago. I'm sure it still happens with some sweaters. If you wash them and don't condition them properly, they do get scratchier. So a wool wash with lanolin is highly recommended to yep. keep them soft and nice to keep your wool. Keep your wool happy. Keep your wool happy. That's, a, <laughs> that's the best way to say it. <laughs> All right. So we had more parts to this question. I think the next parts are about our maintenance for all of the other knitting accessories. So do you put away needles, project bags, etc., right after you finish a project or do you wait until it builds up and then do a cleanup day? <laughs> I do both. I do both as well. I don't have a big area to keep things sitting 
my knitting area is my living room. So if I have too much piled up, then it just gets overwhelming because it's also a small living room and it's shared with three other people. <laughs> so I have to keep it to and a two minimum. Cats. Yes. I have to keep it to a minimum. So I like to keep my projects in a project bag, for example. And what tends to happen when I finish a project, everything that I used for that project, if I'm not putting it away right away, remains with that project bag. And then occasionally, if I've let it pile up, I'll take all the project bags that need to be sorted and put away and do that at one time. Or sometimes if I'm finished with a project, I may put it away right away. It just depends. Yeah, mine depends. I think mostly on the time of the day I finish yes, the project. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, during daylight hours, I'm really good about putting everything away. Mm -hmm. If it's nighttime and people are asleep and things are in rooms where yeah. people are sleeping, then it tends to wait. Yeah. And then sometimes it does tend to build up. Right. It's always like that that time period where you're finishing some projects and so you're swatching for others or trying to decide what to knit next that I get this big mound yeah. at the end of the coffee table because I haven't quite solidified right. what I'm going to do yet. <laughs> so then as soon as the right things get on the needles and everything, then everything gets put away yeah. for me usually. So right now, because it's pre-stitches and Cleo's finished, my end of the coffee table is pristine. There's just a little stack of patterns and a couple things that are sitting there. I always have a notions bag right there at the end of the, the coffee table. And it's looking very nice right now, as are all my other. I do have my, where I work, my desk in my room. There tends to be some knitting paraphernalia and projects around there as mm -hmm. well. So that's my secondary it spot. It migrates throughout the house, yeah. but I try to keep it under control. <laughs> yeah, so I guess our answers to that are, it varies. Yeah. <laughs> and the next one, how do you store your yarn, needles, and knitting accessories? So like I said, all my yarn is either in my closet. I have some plastic drawers that are on the rolling, you know, like a drawer, like a, how would you describe it? like a bookshelf but with drawers and they're plastic so yeah. I have my yarn in those and then I have a really big Rubbermaid container that I use for my sweater quantities and then I have my garment bags under the bed. I just in this past year as I've been trying to make sure that I have my entire stash in Ravelry I've been trying to make sure everything is in Ziploc bags and then they're in a dresser that I have in the bedroom that's dedicated just to yarn. Ah, oh, the stash dresser. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and the Ziploc bags, I recent, well, I shouldn't say recently, I bought them probably over a year ago. They're these very large Ziploc bags with a valve to let out the air. Oh, cool. So I stuff all the yarn that I'm going to stuff in there, and then I try to sit on the bag or squish the bag to let out the air to make it as small as possible. Where'd you get those? I got them at Costco. Really? Yes. <laughs> but you can get out. them probably Amazon too. Okay. I have to check that out. But they're really nice because they're big and by big. She's holding her arms out. Yeah. By big, they're circle. two feet by three feet so I can fit oh, different God, categories of yarn. Yeah. For example, I have one for fingering single ply one for single skeins of fingering sock weight that kind of, of fingering plied. slash sock weight yeah. plied yeah 
fingering yarn is what I meant to say. Yeah, because I have a drawer for each of those. This yeah. is my applied and this is my single Exactly. Yeah. And then the single skeins are separated from the skeins that have enough for a garment or some kind of larger item. Mm-hmm. Multiple skeins, I should say. Yep. Single skeins go in these drawers, multiple exactly. skeins go together in these drawers. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm really happy with the bags because they're clear, of course. You can see what's in them at a glance. And I makes it easy to sort through things in the dresser. Nice. Yeah. Now, what about your knitting needles and accessories? Do you have any special organization? Well, I try to keep the needles all in one box. And they're loosely in order from smallest to largest. See, I got one of those accordion files that they use for like your bills and stuff. I used to do that. Yeah, and I have, they're just zero, one, two, three, yeah. all the way through. It's great. I used to do the accordion file. I can't remember why I stopped. Because it probably fell apart. Mine is falling I think, apart. I so. think that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> I remember the, that's it, the pockets started cracking mm-hmm. and I had to tape them. Yes, mine are being, <laughs> mine are taped right now. There are two of them that are like, this is not going to last much longer. Yeah. And they're taped very carefully, but yeah. yeah. And then I think I just didn't replace, well, when I got rid of it, I just never replaced it. And I put all the needles in a box and just never replaced it. Do you so, have dividers between the different sizes? No. Oh, no. okay. So See, the, it would be a good thing for me to replace at some point. Yeah. The only, only problem with the accordion file is that the loose needles sometimes go underneath mm-hmm. the dividers and then they get all mixed up. Yeah. So you I, have to keep your double pointed needles wrapped together yeah. with rubber bands or something. Yeah. I remember the file, accordion file that I had had holes on the edges and so if i had double points they, they fall could out. fall out oh that's so that it, yeah i yeah. just haven't researched that to find a better one it's been years <laughs> and accessories i actually have a little end table that's next to my desk that, that has one drawer in it there's a matching one by the front door and that's where I keep my hats and Mm -hmm. mitts but the one next to my desk is where I keep all of my accessories so I actually have my cross stitch stuff in there that I haven't used in a really long time (laughs) as well as all of my little tins that I collect when I go traveling that I use for stitch marker holders and things like that and then I have a plastic bag big plastic bag that's filled with all of my miscellaneous accessories weird row counters and yeah. all sorts of bizarre stuff like that. I just that. have a little box that I have in my stash dresser that has all my accessories. Yeah. So then when Nothing it's time fancy. to find an accessory, you go through yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> exactly. yesterday when I was putting away the little stitch markers, the special, the little plastic ones that clip that I was using to mark the, where the sleeve mm-hmm. pickups were for Cleo. Mm-hmm. I had a little pile that I'll need to go back in that bag. And I try to yeah. keep that organized because if that gets disorganized, it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> so I do keep like all of those stitch markers in the same little plastic yeah. container and things like that, because otherwise it would really be a rat's nest. Yeah. And let's see, we have a couple more. Oh, she's asking about what we do for our stash. So let's save that one. For a separate episode. Okay, yeah. Sounds good. Do you regularly sort through your stash, air it out, and how do you decide on what to de-stash and how do you go about it? We've kind of covered We've that. We've covered in the some stash of that, yeah. Episode, but yeah. it always it's always a good discussion to continue. Yep. 
So Allison, I hope that we answered your questions. I think we did, but if there were any others that you had, just let us know. And likewise, for anyone else, any questions related to knitting and things like that, put it in the what would you like to hear about on the podcast thread, and we're always happy to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So thank you very much. And if this happens to be the end of the Stitches episode, thanks for listening. And happy knitting. Happy knitting. Bye-bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs Podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gailey Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gailey Whaley. 